Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast, getting you ready for the 2020 NFL Draft, which is set to begin April 23rd, Las Vegas, Nevada. The backdrop will be those Bellagio fountains. I can see it now, and I can't wait. It's going to be epic. Now, this is episode 22 of the 2020 podcast series, which is also known as part two of the pre-draft edition. Now, there are 337 combine invites for the NFL combine, which is set to begin next week, Lucas Oil Stadium, Indianapolis, Indiana. And last episode, we talked about 174 offensive players who received their combine invites. This week, we're going to transition to the defensive side of the football, 151 total combine invites. You also have 12 special teams players who also got their invites. We're going to touch on them towards the end of this podcast. We're not going to forget about our special teams performers as well. So when you're talking about the defensive side of the ball and really what I want to do with this podcast, you're talking about the combine. We're going to compare the 2019 draft class to what we're seeing and what we expect to see with the 2020 class. And the reason why I do that is we already have the results of the 2019 combine. We can take a look at why some of these guys did not get drafted, who had some of the performances that really, uh, you know, set the world on fire, kept, you know, kept your attention, really raised their draft stock. And who are some of those guys? Where's that comparable uh, comparable player for this year's draft class. So that's really you know, one of the things that I definitely want to do. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about the combine, when you think about combine, you're validating what you saw out on the field. They talk about this being the biggest job interview for all of these players. And really what you're talking about is, you know, you're going to have guys that'll be, you know, they'll, they'll be bench pressing. They'll be doing the broad jump, vertical jump, uh, three cone drill, obviously the 40, and so you're watching these guys perform and you're looking for the speed, the power, the athleticism, uh, you're going, you're putting them through the drills. Can they bend? Can they, you know, where are they flexible? Is there stiffness in their hips? Can they turn and run? There are going to be a lot of things that these coaches are looking at and really they're validating what they saw out on the game, you know, on the, the game film, because if a guy shows up playing well, on the film and you see that fluidity and the athleticism, you're expecting to see the same thing at the combine. So when you you're watching them at the combine, there may be guys that'll turn heads and say, wow, look at that. I was not expecting to see that type of athleticism. They're going to send the coaches and the scouts back to the game film to watch more film on those guys. There are also going to be some guys that you're going to look at and go, wow, I was not expecting him to be as stiff as he looked in person. That may also have some teams questioning what's going on. Now, obviously, Combine, you're also talking about medicals. You're also going to be talking about interviews. So we're going to point out some of the guys that are going to need to nail those interviews. They're going to have to make sure that those medicals check out okay. So we're going to make sure that we touch on all of those guys as we move through this this, uh, podcast. And and really, we've got, like I said, 151 players to cover. I don't think we're going to be talking about every single one of them, but uh, we've got a lot to cover. So let's just go ahead and jump right into things. So we're talking first about the edge rushers. The edge rushers, those are the guys that are making big money, putting pressure on the quarterback, coming off the edge, that bend, coming around as quickly as possible, beating that defense, you know, that, that offensive tackle, however which way they can, whether it's with speed, with power, with their hands, you're going to be seeing that. Time and time again, edge rushers coming off, and they're really at a premium because you know there aren't too many guys who can come off the edge and, and disrupt a game. Those are the guys that are going to be making top money. 
So the edge rusher, what's interesting is, and I've been looking at the NFL website, and they haven't actually divided out the the edge rushers. And last year they did that, and I, I really appreciated the fact that they did so. There were 24 guys that they targeted as edge rushers, and they put them all together so you could really kind of get an idea of what these guys did, and you can compare them one to another and really see them all go through the drills. Now this year, if you look at this year's draft class, I'm looking at nine linebackers who are consi- you know, would be considered edge rushers. So, you know, like Kalevin Chase on out of LSU, Zach Bond of Wisconsin, uh, Carter Coughlin out of Minnesota, Tipa Nalei of Utah State, Anthony Jennings of Alabama, Terrell Lewis of Alabama, uh, let's see, Daryl Taylor of Tennessee, Josh Uche of Michigan, and Curtis Weaver of Boise State, all listed as linebackers. And they'll be going through a lot of the linebacker drills, which I, I can't hate on that because you want to see some of these linebackers. Can they drop into coverage? Are they going to be uncomfortable? A guy like Curtis Weaver, you know, putting his hand in the dirt, you know, quite a bit there for Boise State. Is he someone who's going to be comfortable dropping back into coverage? Terrell Lewis, the same thing. Is Terrell Lewis a one-trick pony coming with speed off the edge, or can he drop into coverage? So I can't hate on that too much, but really you want to kind of compare a lot of these edge rushers together, and you don't just don't have that because when you're talking about the defensive line, you've got all the the defensive tackles, all of the defensive ends, edge rushers, everyone all smacked together, and you've got 46 guys that you're going to be looking at. I really went, did the math, looked at it, 22, uh, I'm sorry, 24 edge rushers, 22 defensive tackles. So when I say edge rushers, you're talking about the defensive ends, uh, although some of these guys are probably not going to be a defensive end at the next level. They'll probably end up being 34 outside linebackers. But, you know, with this this group, those, those 24 edge rushers, that's also going to include some of the guys that we're probably going to be expecting to be uh, some five techniques. There might even be some defensive tackles that are going to end up being five techniques when it's all said and done. When you look at last year's draft class, and just to remind you, that draft class included Nick Bosa, Cleland Furl, uh, Rashawn Gary, Montez Sweat, LJ Collier, all taken in round number one. So there were a total of 29 uh Edge rushers, I guess you could say that were that were drafted. Eleven that you could constitute as potential linebackers. Uh, Twenty-seven of those guys were actually uh, invited to the combine. So the only two that weren't, uh, you're talking Jalen Ferguson, who had an off-field issue, so he wasn't. Um, invited to the combine, still ended up a day two pick going to the Ravens, and then Quinton Bell was a seventh rounder out of a uh, you know out of Prairie View A and M going to the Raiders, you know one of those FCS guys who ended up not getting the combine invite, but very athletic, and and ultimately uh, did get himself drafted late in the draft. So you're, you're looking at that, and the majority of these edge rushers they were invited to the combine. So very few, uh, if they weren't invited to the combine a season ago, chances are they weren't going to get drafted. Those are going to be guys that they're going to target as you know priority free agents and such. Uh, there were 24 edge rushers, as I said, that were invited. Six of them did not get drafted. And when you look at these guys, I think there's some things that definitely jumped out to me. Uh, the, the guys that were not drafted were Malik Carney out of UNC, you know, kind of an undersized guy, 6'2", 251. Um, and, you know, the production, you know, he, he had the exact same measurables as 
uh, DeAndre Walker. But DeAndre Walker, he did fall, fell all the way to the fifth round, but I think his overall body of work ended up winning out. Uh, you look at a guy like uh, Porter Gustin out of USC. You know, big guy, 6'4", 255, repped out 225, 31 times, 35 and a half inch vertical leap, 4'6", 940. But the medicals were a huge concern for Porter Gust. And then the other thing is, is this guy's a very good straight line athlete, but if he, he's so stiff in the hips. And that was really the biggest issue. That's what you were looking for at the combine. And really, you know, there was some validation to that. You watched him in the drills and he looked very stiff, you know, really not able to, to bend around that edge. And that's really what you're looking for with your edge rushers. He was an undrafted free agent, ended up by the end of the season making a roster and, and getting some playing time. But when you're talking about drafting a guy, there were enough red flags there with Porter Gustin that he ended up not getting drafted. And then C.C. Jefferson out of Florida. I think this is the most glaring issue. 6'1", 266, ran a 5'0", 240. When you're talking about edge rushers, you're talking about the explosiveness coming off the edge. And when you're running a 5'0", 240, man, there are offensive linemen and defensive tackles running faster than a 502. So I think that really put him behind the eight ball and really was trying to build a a, a better case for himself to be drafted. And that just was for not. You know, I, I think of on the offensive side, I mentioned in, in the last podcast, Elijah Holyfield. I think that was a perfect example. Here's a big bruising running back. You're expecting to see some power out of him. Um, and, and he ran a four, in the four sevens, just didn't look very fast at all, didn't look very explosive. And then he followed that up with a 29 and a half inch vertical leap. So no real lower body explosiveness out of a guy that big. And, and so I think his uh, his draft stock really took a huge hit and he just really wasn't ever able to, uh, really wasn't able to recover. So that was a, a huge concern there. So I, I, when you're looking at this draft class, you're going to be asking yourself how many of these guys are ultimately going to end up getting drafted. And and obviously when you're talking about the draft, it has to start with Chase Young out of Ohio State. Chase Young is an absolute beast. This guy is a game wrecker. Now look, I heard someone, you know, some of these uh, draft experts that are out there, um, these fellow draft experts, and they're actually saying that Chase Young his draft stock took a hit because he wasn't as productive when he came back from suspension. And I would beg to differ. Yes, he didn't have double-digit sack games, but, I mean, what more do you want from a guy who you know had 16 and a half sacks uh, on the year? You look at Chase Young, and while, yes, he was not getting home to the quarterback, how many times was Chase Young in the backfield putting pressure on the quarterback? Even if he doesn't get home, he's still affecting that play. And that's one of the things with Chase Young is even when he's not getting home, you have to know where he is. You have to identify where he is on the field at all times because of the explosiveness, because of the power, because of his hands. And really, I'm excited to see just how fast he's going to run in the combine. Is he going to run a sub 4-6? What's he going to run there? Um, I think he's going to blow everyone away with his bench press numbers as well. And then the athleticism, the vertical leap, I think he's going to jump through the roof. um, and then watching him in the drills, that's really what's going to be fun. You're going to see that that lateral quickness. You're going to see the hands, just the, the explosive power you know, to his punch because he's able to drive guys back, get them off balance, and then a quick arm over and shoots inside. Uh, you know, He's not just a guy who's going to be bending around the edge. Now, when you want to really watch is some of that ankle flexion. You're talking about the flexibility. Can he bend at the hips, you know, dip in his shoulder, and really able to run that tight turn, You know, that core strength to really run a tight 
turn as you're bending around that edge. But you're also talking about that ankle flexion because if you have stiff ankles, you're not able to really put your body at at a at a, an extreme angle rushing the quarterback. That was what Brian Burns was so good at at Florida State. You know, what was the those the ankle flexibility with him, the ankle flexion, his ability to just really you know put himself at these odd angles to be able to as he's turning the corner get to the quarterback and, and affect the play. Chase Young, I think, is going to be a guy that everyone's going to be talking about with his explosiveness. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, and I think he's one of those guys that you have to tune in uh, to the combine, if nothing else. Young is at the very end of this this uh, this group, whether it's the defensive ends or it's going to be... Um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to run it. If, it's, if it is going to be the edge rushers or the defensive line, he's still going to be at the very end, but uh, it's going to be worth the wait. I promise you. So when you flip the, you know, from Chase Young and his explosiveness to a guy like AJ Epinesa. Now, AJ Epinesa, very productive guy from the time that he was a five-star recruit coming into to Iowa. I think he was the highest re- recruited player um, the high, I think a five-star recruit there for Iowa, 6'4", 280 pounds, the junior as a sophomore, he was playing behind Anthony Nelson and Parker Hesse, and he still led the big 10 in sacks with 10 and a half, follows that up with 11 and a half sacks in 2019, you know, had a couple of games where he just, he dominated, you know, especially that Minnesota game. He put on that game film and, and Sam Schluter, the left tackle just, you know, didn't really know what to do. You know, AJ Epinesa is so good at creating that soft edge with his power, you know, and, and that's the thing. He's not all that explosive. I think you're going to see some stiffness in the hips and the drills. But what he's so good at is, is the, the power and, and his hands, his ability to really you know drive guys back. He gets his hands right underneath the offensive lineman's armpit to kind of get him off balance. And then he'll use the real quick arm over or a, a, a slap and rip. And he's got the edge, does a decent job flattening out, but again, it's a stiffness and that's really going to be the biggest concern I think for a lot of people is how stiff is this guy going to be? Is he going to be someone that, you know, he's not going to be able to overpower all these offensive tackles at the next level. Is he going to be more of a, a five technique? And really, you know, you look at, at J.J. Watt, he's been a five technique his entire career at Houston and he's done just fine. So it'll be interesting to see A.J. Epinesa, how he, how he really looks there at the combine. So if we're, we're talking about edge rushers, I've got to dip into the linebacker crew, um, you know, the group that is labeled as linebackers, and talk about Clavin Chason out of LSU. 6'4", 250 pounds. When you think of LSU, you think of Barkevius uh, Kiki Mingo, and, and then that's, you know, a, a big concern because Kiki Mingo was a, a top 10 pick and the production just never matched uh, the potential. Um, there at uh, at the next level. And you look at uh, Chase on, if you just looked at the stats and the numbers, 13 and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, 60 tackles. Now, this is a, a guy who was coming off the edge. He was not a one-trick pony. You can't just look at the production and say, well, he just didn't have, uh, didn't get, get home. And yes, that is true. But this is a guy who you know was winning, and I think he's actually going to be a better pro than he was a, a college athlete because of his ability, you know, the to not only rush the passer but set the edge against the run. Sets really a hard edge. Um, does a great job with his hands, getting himself free, stacking and shedding, using his long arms. You're going to see that length. He's going to get measured at the combine. Length to able to to get underneath his his uh, his blocker, stack, shed, get to the ball, and, and make a play. 
but he also has that bend. And we're talking about the flexibility, the ankle flexion. He's this year's Brian Burns, in, in my opinion. He's not quite the you know as productive as Brian Burns was at Florida State, but he has the same type of athleticism. And, and that's one of the things that you're really going to see with him is his ability to, to get low coming off the ball, uh, but also the power. I was so surprised. You know, he has this long, these long arms, and he extends right into that offensive tackle, and he drives that guy off the ball. The speed to power with Kalevin Chase on is special. And so that's one of the things. I'd love to see him. He's going to be lining up with the linebackers and a lot of athletes, but I'd love to see him in an edge rusher type group and really showcase some of that speed. You know, I'm looking at the Falcons sitting there at number 16. They love those types of athletes. You know, uh, you know Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn, Vic Beasley may be a, a casualty. If that's the case, I think Chason can end up being uh, that that guy for the Falcons to really bridge that gap and really take over the the edge rushing ability. So when you're talking about some of these edge rushers at the at the linebacker position, you know, and, and again, you know, if they're going to be doing that, we're going to be having to go back and forth between uh, linebackers and and defensive linemen. How about Curtis Weaver? You know, this is one of those guys that I think is really intriguing for me. Uh, very consistent. You know, this this guy, uh, you know, 47 and a half tackles for loss, 34 sacks. And I, I've compared him to Derek Barnett. I think similar body type when you look at the two of them. Uh, Weaver, 6'3", two, uh, 265 uh, out of Boise State. And I'm really going to be curious to see if the measurables and the, and the, uh, the, the times really match up with, with Derek Barnett. I think that's a comparable uh, situation there. I, I think the biggest thing is, is Weaver is still a little soft against the run in comparison to Barnett, which is why Weaver isn't really being talked about as a potential top 10 like Barnett was. I think Weaver is probably going to fall into the teens or the tw- you know early 20s, but I think he's he's not getting out of that. You know, He's going to be one of those guys, if teams are looking for a consistent edge rusher, uh, then Weaver is going to be at the top of their list. Now, Zach Bond is another edge rusher who's really going to be a, a 34 outside linebacker. He's 6'3", 245. It wasn't until this season that he really got, got a chance to put everything together. 19 and a half tackles for loss, 12 and a half sacks. And you're talking about the explosiveness coming off the edge. You know, this is a guy who can definitely bend coming off the corner. Um, you know, it has really powerful hands. Showed an ability to set the edge against the run. Had 75 tackles, so he was definitely productive from a tackling standpoint as well. And uh, a guy who could drop into the, into coverage a little bit. I think you're going to see some athleticism from Zach Bond that a lot of people were not expecting. And I think his draft stock is going to continue to rise. You know, I think he's someone who, um, you know, people aren't really talking about him as a late first rounder. I think you really have to. I think a team like Miami could potentially look at, at Zach Bond there with their last pick because they've got three picks in the first round. Look at Zach Bond as a potential guy there. He's somebody that I, I think you're going to really see some of that explosiveness and, and really going to catch catch some some eyes and turn some heads. So staying in that linebacker group, Terrell Lewis, 6'5", 252, Alabama stud outside linebacker. This is going to be the guy who I think is going to be a workout warrior. You know, 2018, you'll remember he had the ACL tear, was out for the year. 2019 comes back. You know, don't just look at the stats. You know, just 11 and a half tackles for loss, six sacks. But this was a guy who who showed some sideline to sideline range at, at times, playing playing the run. Um, a, a guy who was just so so explosive coming off the edge. You know, for a guy his size, he is pretty pretty darn explosive. Um, you know, and and that length, 
that's going to be something that's going to be coveted. You want to see what he's going to run at the at the combine. You want to see as he goes through the drills just how you know is there any stiffness to his hips? Uh, because the game film shows you that this guy getting after the quarterback. The biggest thing that I worry for him is a lot of times his goal is sole goal and sole purpose is getting after the quarterback that he loses sight of the run and loses contain at times. And that's one of the biggest things that I worry about him is, is he just going to be a situational pass rusher? You know, teams are always looking for that. And those are some of the guys that still are going to make a ton of money because they are able to affect the game, getting after the quarterback. But, uh, you know, is he worthy of a, of a first round grade? Yeah, that, that that's debatable at this point to really see what where that's going to be. Um, so if we flip back to the defensive line group, uh, one of the guys that I'm going to be interested to see is Bradley and I out of Utah. Now, Bradley and I, you look at the game film, his arms don't look to be very long. They look short, you know, to be perfectly honest. And that's one of the things that you worry about is, is if you have that, uh, that short reach, those, those offensive linemen with, considerably longer arms are they going to be able to get into your body and and really stifle any type of a run and the thing with Bradley and I that you're not going to see at the combine that you're not going to see in the stat sheets is his ability to win with his hands and that's one of the things the hand fighting he's one of the better off our defensive linemen with, with the hand fighting he's able to win with his hands able to attack the offensive tackles hands either with the slap or he'll even grab their hands and, and just take them and throw them away as he's bending around the edge. You're going to see some, some bend from him again, 6'3, 265, 29 and a half sacks in his career, including 13 this past season. He's a physical guy. I think you're going to see some power in the drills as well. I think Bradley and I is, is looking to solidify himself as a day two pick. Uh, as we continue to move along, you know, Marlon Davidson, how athletic is this guy going to be? That's really the big question that I'm going to have uh, for him is, is he, you know, he's 6'3", 278. And I, I saw some, uh, you know, some explosiveness. I just, it was inconsistent. There were times where he was, he just was unblockable coming off the edge. You'd see the speed to power. You'd see him bending around the edge. And, and the really, the real question was, was it just the, the caliber of offensive tackle that he was working against? Or is he really that athletic? You know, just 11 and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks playing alongside Derek Brown. And, and you know, I thought he did, did a decent job setting the edge, uh, against the run. Um, He's going to be one that I'm going to be looking at to say, you know, it, a lot of people are starting to talk about him potentially in the first round. I don't see it. And this is really going to be his time to show everyone just how athletic he is. Um, if he's going to be a, a first round pick, that's really going to be the, a huge question mark for me. Uh, you know, Yitro Gross Mato, 6'5", 264 the, uh, out of Penn State. This guy, you know, I think he's still raw with some of his pass rush ability. You know, this was someone who made a ton of plays in the backfield, had 20 uh, tackles for loss as a sophomore, followed that up with a similar performance, 14 and a half tackles for loss in 2019, uh, 18 and a half sacks in his career. The length is going to be ridiculous with him. Uh, but for me, the inconsistency again, the, the production, getting home to the quarterback, you know, you didn't always see him. You know, there were times where I don't know if he was taking plays off, the motor just seemed to be running hot and cold. And, and you know, I think his pad level at times would, would creep up. There are some drills that you know will really um expose some of that, be able to see, you know, can he bend at the waist? Can he stay low firing off the ball or see someone who's going to be popping up out of his stance? If he pops up out of his stance, that's going to give an offensive lineman a much bigger target to attack and get his hands on. So 
continuing through this list, let's see who else we have here. Uh, you know, Kenny Willickis is going to be a guy that I think is going to be intriguing. 6'4", 260 pounds. Uh, the former walk-on there at Michigan State. Um, Burlesworth Award winner. He's someone for me, when I watch him play, that... He's a guy with with tireless effort, always working to the quarterback, but he's limited athletically. You know, four, 49 tackles for loss, 23 and a half sacks. You know, I, I used to compare him to to Chase Winovich, and I think this year, you know, the the lack of athleticism really was exposed. This was someone who I you know really struggled to get off some blocks, and I worry for him that if he looks stiff in drills, if he, he if he doesn't look to be as fluid an athlete um, as you're needing. Um, you know, I think he may fall to the fourth round. I think he may be a fourth or fifth rounder. Um, you know, and a guy like Chase Young ended up getting drafted in the third round, despite showing tremendous athleticism. So I think Kenny Willickis, he he's got a lot to prove for me uh, at the combine. So continuing again with the defensive ends as we're looking through this, uh, Trevin Hill. Uh, out of Miami, I think he's going to be a workout warrior. He's going to be somebody that you're going to be looking at going, wow, this guy can really, really move. Very explosive athlete. Uh, started his career at Virginia Tech. Had the issues uh, there in 2018. Only played played three games and uh, ultimately got kicked off the team. Ended up getting transferred to uh, transferring to Miami. And, uh, you know, look, you know, nine and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of answer, you know, a lot of questions to answer with the off, off field issues. So even though he's going to look tremendous in a lot of the drills, you know, in my opinion, you know, he's a little undersized. He's probably going to be a 34 outside linebacker at 6'3, 238. Um, you know, we'll see if he put on any weight uh, prior to the combine, but the interviews are going to be critical. For him, and if he doesn't interview well, he's going to be one of those guys. You know, I look at a guy like Jakai Polite, and just you know, the interviews were a big red flag, and, and the pr- lack of production in his rookie year really a huge concern. So you look at a guy like Trevin Hill, you know, is that going to be the same type of player? That's one of those big concerns that you're going to have. Uh, let's see who else do we have? Uh, Jabari Zuniga is somebody who, when you watch the film, he doesn't look all that athletic, but I'm telling you what, he's going to be a guy who I think is going to set the stage on fire. Uh, Zuniga, six, four, two, Um, you know, played only in only five games in 2019, hampered by some injuries, but in those, those five games, five and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, a guy who can bend coming around the edge, um, you know, but Really, what, what's intriguing for him is his versatility. He can rush the passer uh, along the interior of the line. He'd line up at the three technique and was blowing by guys, splitting double teams, uh, shooting the A gap. You know, you know that the the, the quickest. Uh, you know, quickest way to get to the quarterback is, is a straight line, and if you're shooting through that A gap right off the snap, getting in there affecting the quarterback. He's somebody who has been one of the more disruptive players. He just needed to stay healthy and stay on the field. But I think Jabari Zuniga is going to be somebody who's going to surprise people, and I think he's going to creep up into day two, and I think will end up being a productive pro at the next level. Um, so that's Zuniga. You know, his teammate over there, Jonathan Greenard, I think you know looked like he, the more athletic of the two. But I have more concerns with him. I, I think some of the injury concerns, um, you know, they're ultimately transferred from, from Louisville to, to Florida. 16 uh, tackles for loss and 10 sacks. And he's very athletic, uh, very explosive coming off the edge. F- tremendous first step quickness. 
uses his hands very well, turning the turning in the corner. Uh, but again, 6'4", 263. I, I really want to see the bend. I really want to see him as he works through those drills, just how athletic he's going to be, um, you know, and making sure that those medicals check out okay for him. So continuing through, and, you know, there's some other names that are on here. I think Kendall Coleman and Alton Robinson from Syracuse, a couple of guys who uh, were tremendous in 2018. And then they saw their draft, you know, really their production dropped off considerably in, in 2019. Those are two guys who really have to put on a show. They have to really be tremendously athletic and and guys that, you know, really teams – you want to have those coaches in the room saying, this is something that I can work with. Tireless workers, athletes, guys that are going to be able to bend and come off the edge. Uh, Kendall Coleman, uh, 6'3", 253, uh, 12 and a half tackles for loss and 10 sacks. You know, And basically, you know, his sack a- output dropped to four in, in 2019. You know, And then Alton Robinson was really looked at as a guy who could potentially be a first rounder now. He's kind of a fringe second day pick. Uh, you know, 6'4", 260 himself, 17 tackles for loss, 10 sacks. Syracuse was one of those surprise teams in 2018. Uh, Eric Dungy was the quarterback. You know, Dino Babers, everything was flying high. 2019, really the opposite. Uh, you know, Tommy DeVito, the quarterback, really struggled to get things going. Um, and you also saw that on the defensive side. They were on the on the field a lot more. Nine tackles for loss, four sacks. That's going to be the big question is, is was it just more of a matter of that – Defense was on the field a lot more than than they were in 2018, and did that play a role in any of that production? One guy that I've left out is Julian Aquara out of Notre Dame, the 6'4", 248-pound defensive end. I think he's probably going to be a 3-4 outside linebacker at the next level. Um, you know, a guy who look in 20, 2018. Uh, you know, 12 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks. He was building on that in 2019 before a broken fibula knocked him out for the remainder of the season in early November. Uh, I believe that was against Duke. And he's going to showcase, you know, has really long arms and you're expecting to see a, you know, a pretty fluid athlete, but because of the broken fibula, he's not going to be doing any of the the, the drills um, or any, you know, getting timed at all at, uh, at the combine. So he's really going to have to hopefully be at a, at a place where he'll be able to have one of those individual workouts. Um, but I, I think Julian Aquara, you know, just because you don't take, take part in the combine doesn't mean you're not going to be a first rounder. You look at, at, at Jeffrey Simmons, he was so dominant at, at Mississippi state and yes, he had the off field issues, but you know, really a model citizen. That's really everyone came to his defense and he still ended up getting drafted in the first round and looked good for Tennessee. The difference with, with Julian Aquara is he did not dominate uh, the, the game when he was in, when he was in it, you know, there were times where you'd see him really putting pressure on the quarterback, the QB pressures, you know, uh, really being disruptive, but it was inconsistent, both he and Khalid Kareem and, you know, Julian Aquara, you know, he's not, you know, he's more athletic than his brother, Romeo. Um, I, I'd say that Khalid Kareem is more of your, your, uh, your Romeo, uh, Aquara, uh, he's 6'4", 265, and a guy who I think does a good job setting the edge against the run, limited as a pass rusher. I think he's probably going to be a, a mid-day three pick, but a guy who's going to end up making an NFL roster and uh, is going to be a rotational defensive end when it's all said and done. Um, flipping back to the quote-unquote linebackers of the edge rusher group, um, you know, there's some names that people aren't talking about. Uh, you know, Minnesota's Carter Coughlin, you know, a, a guy who has a, a nonstop motor, very tough, 
tough, hard-nosed guy coming off the edge, 6'4", 245, 22 and a half sacks in his career. But I, I really worry about his athleticism. Is he going to be another stiff player like like Port Augustine? Uh, Tipa Naliai out of, out of Utah State started his career at TCU, moved to, to Utah State, and this is a guy who, you know, really expecting big things in 2018. 13 and a half tackles for loss and 10 sacks. Comes into 2019, just nine tackles for loss and, and half the sack output with just five sacks. You know, is Tipa Nali, I, I think teams really were recognizing what you had there with the athleticism and uh, were forcing, you know, taking him away and really one-on-one on, on the opposite end and they weren't really getting exposed. The Aggies, you know, really struggled at times to get after the quarterback. So that's really the big question mark that I have is, is, you know, what's the athleticism going to be like? I think he's going to test pretty well. He has really good length and, and I'm, you know, he's one of those guys that may fly under the radar, be a late day three pick, but end up being productive. Uh, Anthony Jennings out of Alabama, 6'3", 259. I want to see what, how this guy tests because I, I thought, He's, he's one of those guys that just kind of flies under the radar. Extremely productive in 2019. 83 tackles, 12 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks, five pass breakups. You know, and that's coming off a year, you know, the year prior where we had 11 pass breakups. I think of Uchenna Nwosu and those long arms and his ability to time the jumps and, and really affect the passer. You know, when you're talking about a guy in two seasons having 16 pass breakups, um, you know, and 18 total for his career, you know, those are guys who understand how to get their hands in a passing lane, understand angles and being able to get their hand up and, and deflect passes. You know, you're going to have a home at the next level. And I look at Anthony Jennings, you know, whether he's putting his hand in the ground or coming off the edge as an edge rusher, he can get to the quarterback. He can play in space a little bit. Um, he plays well against the run, very active and productive. Um, you know, he may be limited as an athlete, you know, but I, I you know, I'm, I'm not expecting him to time, um, o- you know, overly, you know, have overly fast times. Um, I don't think he's going to be overly athletic, but he's just somebody who gets home, gets to the quarterback, uh, makes plays on the football and, and somebody who, you know, could fall to day three. Um, but I, I really would, would question that. You know, I think he's somebody who should be a, a day two guy when it's all said and done. And, and I think this is the first step for him to prove that that's where he belongs. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of FCS guys. I'm sorry, not FCS, but group of five guys. Uh, Alex Highsmith uh, out of Charlotte's one of them. He's 6'4", 242. And look, in 2018, you know, 18 and a half tackles for loss, just three sacks. You know, he was really a guy who was all about uh, shooting into the backfield and making plays behind the line. Understood, you know, diagnosing plays, being able to, to get off blocks and, and really, you know, read defenses. You know, if a, if a line is slanting, he's he's pulling, you know, coming off of the, the guard's hip and, and shooting into the backfield. But then he really was able to put everything together as a, pass rusher 15 sacks in 2019 you went from three sacks to 15 you know and you're that's five times the output you know if you're doing the math you know 21 and a half total tackles for loss very explosive you know he was just kind of an yeah you know in the in the all-star games um wasn't all that uh didn't really make a mark i think this is uh, an area where he really needs to showcase things if he wants to be a day two pick i think he's going to fall to day three uh, but i think he's got a shot he was very productive both against the run and the pass um so he's somebody to keep an eye out for to see just what he's going to be doing there um you know, a one other guy that I thought you know was was fun to watch was Ladarius Hamilton out of out of North Texas, six three two sixty, back to back seasons with seven and a half sacks. Therefore, uh, 
the mean green there. And uh, one FCS guy to really keep an eye on is uh, Derek Tuscat of uh, North Dakota State. I thought he looked good in, in the uh, in the All-Star Games. 6'5", 246, 29 and a half sacks in his career. Um, you know, 42 total tackles for loss. A guy who just has a nonstop motor, keeps working to the quarterback, shows a decent bend. You know, he's someone who I think, you know, you're looking at that fifth round range is probably where he's going to go. But, you know, I like seeing the fact that there's an FCS guy in this crop that, you know, really he's going to force you to, to keep an eye on him um, throughout this pre-draft process. So those are some of the, the edge rushers that I wanted to make sure that I talked about. Ooh, before we move on, I left out two guys, and I can't believe I, that I did. Daryl Taylor out of Tennessee, Josh Uche out of Michigan. Now, Josh Uche, he, he was showing an ability to drop into coverage in the Senior Bowl that you really didn't see there at, at Michigan. And that's one of the things that I love about the Senior Bowl, that I love about the Combine. Uh, you know, a guy like Hassan Reddick out of uh, out of Temple. This was a guy um, that uh, you know was more of an edge guy. And you watched him playing at linebacker, able to drop into coverage, making plays all over the field, uh, both in the at the Senior Bowl and at uh, at the Combine. His draft stock rose and put him right into the first round. Josh Uche, I'm not saying that he's going to be a first round pick, but I'm saying that this is going to be a guy who I think is going to solidify his status as a a uh, a second round guy showcasing his ability that, hey, look, I can drop into coverage just as much as I can get after the quarterback. And, and when you're talking about a guy who's 6'2", 250, likely going to be um, an outside linebacker in a 34, uh, you know, 15 and a half tackles, for, I'm sorry, 15 and a half sacks, including, you know, 14 and a half in the last two seasons, Uche is, is one of those guys to, to really keep an eye out for. And the other guy, as I mentioned, Daryl Taylor, you know, one of the more athletic guys, um, you know, people talk about him not having a ton of bend, but I would I would disagree with that. You watch him as he's turning the corner. He can turn the corner in a hurry. He can flip those hips and, and flatten out to the quarterback before the offensive lineman really knows what hit him. You know, at least eight sacks in each of the last two seasons, 19 and a half for his career. You know, this is a guy, 6'4", 255, um, who is very explosive coming off the edge. You know, and he's one of those guys who who can affect the game. Is he going to be a you know a day two pick? I think he'll be one of those question mark third fourth round range. But he's so explosive that he's going to force you to take notice as well. And I think that's one of the things that you're going to be seeing at the combine. So we transition from the edge rushers to the defensive tackles. And so if you're talking about as as we were talking about earlier about defensive tackles at uh, you know in 2019, we had 23. Total defensive tackles drafted. 19 of those were invited to the combine. Uh, And so you had 24 defensive tackles at the combine, and five of those defensive tackles were not drafted. So the the defensive tackles that weren't drafted, Albert Huggins of Clemson and and Jonathan Ledbetter of Georgia were two of those. Those were guys that were basically situational players. Uh, They were more rotational guys, and so they they weren't seen as... as, uh, you know, guys that you would bring in as as draftable prospects, but guys that you bring in to potentially fill out a roster as an undrafted free agent. Uh, you know, Daniel Wise, very productive at Kansas, ran a five two eight forty at six three two eighty one. That's just not going to cut it. Uh, Gerald Willis out of Miami, 
very explosive. You know, this was a guy who had his second chance there at Miami. So some of the off-field issues could have been a concern there. Also didn't get to perform at the Combine, so that didn't really help either. Kevin Givens, um, you know, you're expecting more out of a guy, 6'1", 285, to be more explosive. Ran a 5'08", 40. Um, you know, and then, let's see. I've covered my five. So those are the five defensive uh, defensive tackles who were not drafted that were actually at the combine. And uh, you know Jeffrey Simmons, as I mentioned, didn't get the invite because of his off-field issues. Um, the other three were seventh-round picks. P.J. Johnson, the mammoth guy in the middle there for Arizona, he battled some injury concerns you know, himself. Michael Dogba of, uh, of Temple, drafted by the Cardinals uh, with the number 249 overall, uh, an athletic defensive tackle, not really on a lot of people's radars, but I think as the pre-draft process continued, you saw a guy who with some pretty good athleticism. And then Cortez Broughton out of Cincinnati going to the Chargers, number 242 overall. I really was a big fan of Cortez Broughton, a guy who could both rush the passer and make plays behind the line of scrimmage, uh, affecting run plays. And, you know, ultimately he got drafted by the the Chargers. So it's not the end-all be-all when you're looking at the defensive tackle position that that if you're not invited to the combine, you won't make it. But, you know, you've got to be one of those guys that's going to set yourself apart a little bit. And, uh, you know, if you're talking about this year's draft class at the defensive tackle position, obviously you got to start the conversation with Derek Brown. Derek Brown, to me, he's just a beast. Um, you know, he has exceptional explosiveness, such power in his hands, really does a great job getting the offensive lineman off balance with his hands. Um, you know, he can shoot double teams. You know, he affects both the pass and the run. Um, you know, a guy who, you know, look, in, in his last three seasons had over 150 tackles as well, you know, from the defensive tackle position. You know, he's 6'5", 318, pretty good length. 33 tackles for loss, also 12 and a half sacks. So, you know, in eight pass breakups, uh, four forced fumbles, I'm sorry, five forced fumbles, four fumble recoveries, a guy who just always seemed to be winning there at the point of attack. And, and a guy that you really couldn't, couldn't block, you know, just facing him, you know, just man up. You know, a lot of times you had to sit there and have a, a guard chip on him or potentially put a running back in, in the backfield to try to help out. But a, a guy who was just like a Mack truck running people over. Um, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch, you know, and, and you're going to see kind of a dancing bear with, with all of that athleticism, but beyond him, the other freakish athlete is, is Javon Kinlaw out of, out of, uh, South Carolina, six, six, three ten. If you watched him at the combine, he was virtually unblockable. You saw the speed off the ball, the, the quickness, the speed to power to drive guys back into the backfield. And, and one of the things he, he just continued to work and just, you know, over all of those guards at the Senior Bowl. One of those guys was John Simpson, and I went back and read my notes of the the South Carolina-Clemson game, and that's what he was doing in that game as well. He did a really good job of getting under... Uh, Simpson's pad level and would drive him into the backfield and that would disrupt a lot of the run plays. He'd take away cutback lanes. He'd, you know, he would drive guards into running backs and, and really blow up that run play altogether. So there were times where he wouldn't even make the play in the backfield, but you know, he was the one, you know, really he made the play. He didn't actually get the, get the tackle for loss or really get the drop on the, on uh, the ball carrier, but he was the one that affected the, affected the play overall 17, uh, Tackles for loss, 10 sacks in his career, um, excellent length. Those are your two surefire 
first round picks. And I think after that, you know, you're going to be looking at some guys who are really, you know, there's going to be that, that, uh, that next tier. And there, there's some room there for some of these guys. And I think like Ross Blacklock out of TCU, 6'4", 305, the junior, uh, 15 and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks in his career. But what you really saw from Blacklock was the, the twitchiness. You know, this was a guy, the, the athleticism to move laterally, you'd see him move and uh, come around and, and bend. You know, you don't see defensive tackles who weigh 305 that are coming around, dipping their shoulder underneath the guard or the center and able to turn the corner the way that he was able to do, you know, and, and it wasn't just about, about the power. That's really the bigger question that I'm going to have for Ross Blacklock is, you know, where, where's the power there? He, he's def- definitely an athlete, but if he can show that he's also has some power, especially when you're watching him in the bench press and things like that, you know, when you're talking bench press, you know, able to take a guy and, and extend your arms and really create some separation and then, disengage from that block that's really what you're looking for you don't want to have a guy that's going to get into your body you know get an offensive tackle or an offensive guard or a center into your body as a defensive lineman can you get into them first bench press them shove them back create some separation and then use your hands to get off that block and make a play on the ball Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma, 6'2", 302, uh, very stout at the point of attack. Uh, but the, the first step quickness, this was a guy, you know, if you look at the stats, you're like, wow, you know, he just had 29 tackles in, in 2019, uh, 17 tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks. But this was a guy who was very explosive. He was somebody who was with that first step quickness, was shooting gaps and getting into the backfield and affecting quarterbacks. If you're moving the quarterback off their mark, you're making him uncomfortable, you're making him more susceptible to making those bad throws. I think Neville Gallimore is another one of those guys that with a, a combine performance could potentially sneak his way into round number one, but I think he'll probably be an early day two guy. Uh, Jordan Elliott out of Missouri, the, the Texas transfer went to the Missouri Tigers and uh, you know everyone remembers him for his three sack game as a, as a sophomore, um, a, a guy Again, you can't just look at the, the the stats. This is a guy who is going to win at the point of attack. He's 6'4", 315, pretty explosive. And that's you know when you watch the defensive lineman, you want to see just how how explosive some of these guys are going to be. Uh, you know, Raekwon Davis out of Alabama, six seven three twelve, excellent length. But this was a guy to me. There's so much potential with Raekwon Davis, and I think the biggest thing was was in 2017. You know, eight and a half sacks. You know, had that interception return, and everyone was just enamored with with Raquan Davis. Since then, these last two seasons, you haven't seen the production, and that's very, very concerning. If you're going to be talking about a guy in round number one, or really, you know, day two, I think Raquan Davis is really going to have to showcase, you know, answer a lot of questions. Why, why the the significant drop off? Just eight and a half uh, tackles for loss and and two sacks. In, in two seasons after uh, a tremendous 2017, he's going to have to answer those questions. And, you know, he's also going to have to have a tremendous combine performance if, if he wants to really rebound from that. You know, I think a team is probably going to take him in round, um, in probably rounds, probably round two, late round two or early round three because of the potential. But for me, I just, I wasn't all that impressed. And it's one of those things to where because of, you know, his, his athleticism, because of his size, you know, you, you really are, are left uh, wanting more. 
transitioning from from some of the athletic guys to a guy who's just you know is going to maul you and try to beat you up in the middle. That's Lucky Fotu out of Utah, 6'5", 335. Uh, you know he's hasn't finished a season healthy there with, with Utah. You know, he played in just nine games in 2019, um, you know, played in 10 games in each of the, the two previous seasons, but he, he's one of those guys who's going to be stout at the point of attack, you know, think star Lotulale, but not quite as athletic. Uh, not, you know, he's a lot bigger than, than star was. Um, but you know, a guy who, who can get physical at the point of attack has some short area quickness. You know, when you're talking about some phone booth quickness, you know, I think Fotu has some of that. And, and, you know, the question is, is, is just how often is he going to be making plays in the backfield against the quarterback? Um, you know, and that really is going to be depend, you know, that's going to depend his, his draft stock. Um, I think he'll probably end up being a third rounder, but one of those guys, you know, I, I think you, know, you want to see some of that power and just how quick is he? How quick is he going to be coming off the football? That's one of the things that you're going to be seeing there at the combine. Um, let's see, Devon Hamilton. I'm looking forward to seeing him there out of Ohio State, a guy who was kind of a, a rotational player there at the defensive line position for the Buckeyes. But uh, I think you know I, I really want to see his athleticism. Justin Matabuke for for Texas A&M, the junior. Um, you know, they're a defensive tackle power in his hands, a guy, you know, again, really good at bench pressing his, his man and driving him back. But, uh, you want to see some of that explosiveness. So that's something that I'm really going to be looking for and waiting for from him. Rashad Lawrence out of, uh, LSU, uh, six, two, three Oh eight, not the most athletic guy, but a guy who just seemed to, you know, he's a guy that you just want, you want on your squad. But the question is because he is six, two, is he going to be a five technique? Is he going to be a, a three technique? That's something that a lot of teams are going to have to answer. I just realized that I left out a, an edge rusher who's one of my favorite players uh, in this draft, and uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't cover him, and that's James Lynch out of Baylor. I can't believe I missed this guy. I think he's going to be someone that teams are going to be really wanting to go back to the game film and watch more of because I think he's got better bend for a guy 6'4", 295 than he gets credit for. He's a junior and uh, 33 tackles for loss, 20 sacks in his career, 13 and a half this past season. And when you watch him play, you know, also five pass breakups, three forced fumbles in 2019. But when you watch him play, he has a, a decent first step quickness, but then you watch him as he's turning the corner, he's able to dip and get underneath that off to tackles uh, pad level and turn that corner. And when he's turning the corner, he doesn't have those extra steps as he's coming around that edge. He's able to get a nice tight turn and he's coming around that edge, flatten out to the quarterback and put, you know, put some pressure on quarterbacks, big 12 offenses. We're seeing this guy in their sleep. You know, he was somebody who was always putting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, you know, he and Bravion Roy were a dynamic pair for the Baylor bears. I think James Lynch is going to be somebody who's going to continue to rise up draft boards and probably end up being a second round pick when it's all said and done. So, Sorry to to kind of backtrack just a little bit there, but he was one of those guys that I have to make sure before the podcast was up that I that I had to talk about. Now James Strobridge out of North Carolina, 6'5, 285. If you look at the stat sheets, you're like, ah, 22 tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks there at the, the defensive tackle position. But this is a guy, I think he has some versatility. He can be a you know either a three technique or a five technique in a three-four. Um and the athleticism really jumped off the, the, the film as I was watching uh, the, the Senior Bowl. You know, he was somebody who was winning the one-on-ones and somebody who I, I think 
because of his athleticism, because of what he did at the Senior Bowl, if he can follow that up, I think he's going to be somebody that teams will be talking about there early day three. Uh, you know, Robert Windsor out of Penn State, 6'4", 285, uh, 19 tackles for loss, 13 sacks. Look, you know, he's the more athletic version of of, of Kevin um, Kevin Givens. You know, he's a lot taller as well, um, but you know, kind of an undersized. Um, you know, in terms of their their weight, he's just 285. You know, Robert Windsor though has some some athleticism, has some quickness coming off the football. I want to see what he runs that that 40 time. You know, if, if ultimately he can he can do pretty well there, I think he's going to be one of those guys who's going to continue to move up draft boards. And you can hear <laughs> you can hear my my Silver Lab Figaro. She's uh, in the room with me as I'm conducting this podcast. She's she's snoring and. Uh, Okay, she's okay now. Um, let's see. Uh, Raquan Williams is the other guy that you want to keep an eye out for. Six four three zero three out of Michigan State. At, at, at times was virtually unblockable, and that's only if he kept his pad level low. You want to see can he stay low at uh, at the combine during those drills? Um, that's going to be a big question mark for me as to whether or not he's going to be somebody who's going to be drafted early. My guess is probably fifth, sixth round right now is kind of where I, I can see him going. So we transition to the linebacker position. So we're talking true linebackers and not the edge rushers at the linebacker position. And, and when we're talking linebackers, let's see. You know, there are 37 linebackers at the combine. 16 were not drafted. Um, so 36 total linebackers that were drafted. Um, you know, if you include the edge rushers, if you take them out, then you're talking about 25 total drafted and four that weren't invited to the combine. So when we take a look at, first of all, the, the four that weren't invited to the combine that were drafted, you're talking Quincy Williams going to the Jags in round number three. Um, let's see, Cole Holcomb uh, for North Carolina um, went to, to the Redskins there. In uh, in the fifth round, you saw some athleticism from him. You know, he put, he put out some really fast forty times at his at his workout, and I think that's one of the things that really helped get him a a, a spot on a roster. Um, you know, Ulysses Gilbert the third, one of my favorite players. If you listen to the twenty nineteen podcast series, I loved him coming out of uh, out of Akron, a guy who you know can play in space, uh, tackle machine, can cover uh, you know a lot of different players. Um, an undersized linebacker, but he was taken in the sixth round by the Steelers. And then you had uh, Caden Ellis uh, out of Idaho, a veteran guy, a guy who was really a, a special teams ace. He went to the Saints in round number seven, got a little bit of playing time there for New Orleans as well. So those were the four that weren't invited. You know, s- some pretty good athletes. Um, and when you're talking about the combine, if you're looking at the linebacker position a season ago, uh, some of the guys that weren't drafted that still ended up making an impact, you know, Aziz Alshire, his biggest thing was was the knee injury. You know, he was very productive there for for Florida Atlantic, but he just you know the knee injury was a huge concern, and that really you know was something that uh, teams had had a red flag you know and wanted to find a little bit more of. Uh, Jeff Allison from Fresno State, 5'11", 228, ran a 4'8", 240. Um, just, you know, one of your slower linebackers, you know, Bryson Allen-Williams, a 4'8", 840. Um, you know, Tevin Coney, um, you know, you're expecting more athleticism from him. You know, he was a guy that, you know, he needed to show an ability to play sideline to sideline, more of a one-direction type of guy. Um, T.J. Edwards ran a 4'8", 740 um, at his pro day. 
uh, for Wisconsin, you know, and that was a huge concern. You know, this was a volume tackler, but when you're you've got you know you're not putting out the the type of speed that you're expecting at the linebacker position, that's going to affect your draft stock overall. Um, one of the bigger surprises was Terrell Hanks. Um, you know, he ran a four nine eight forty at the combine. You know, this is a guy who ended up making a roster there with with the Dolphins, got some playing time, but you know that forty time really had teams concerned. And so that really affected his draft stock as well. Uh, Kendall Joseph ran a 50540, uh, you know, Trey Lamar, 49140. So when you're looking at some of these things and you're looking at some of the 40 times, you know, you're talking about guys who could be fringe players, probably day three guys. And you're watching the game film, you're looking at guys saying, well, these guys may not be overly athletic. I want to see what they can do when we get out there. What type of 40 are they going to run? And they really disappointed. There were guys that you looked at and you're like, well, you know, they, you know, it's really what I saw out there on the game film. You know, a guy like Cameron Smith out of USC going to Minnesota ran a 4.6940, 39-inch vertical leap, much better athlete than you were expecting. And that I think sent people back to the to game film as well for for a guy like that. So when you're looking at the linebacker position, um, you know you have to have athletes. You have to have guys that are able to run. Can they move in space, um, you know, or not? And, and if you're one of those slower linebackers, that's really going to be trouble for you. And you know, like a guy like Evan Weaver, a volume tackler. You know, this is a guy who, when you talk Evan Weaver, you know, there wasn't a, a ball carrier he couldn't run down. I mean, the instincts, his angles to the football, 6'3", 235. I mean, you know, over 400 tackles uh, in in his career, 181 this past season. Uh, and a guy who showed that he can drop back into coverage just a little bit, had two interceptions, one that he took back for a touchdown in 2018, six pass breakups um, in, in 2018 as well. And the question that everyone's going to have is, you know, how big of a liability is he going to be in coverage? You know, you want to see just how stiff the hips are going to be in some of the drills. You know, how fast is he going to run? You know, if he's going to be running in that four eight four nine range, then that's going to be somebody that, you know, could be a late day three pick, possibly not even get himself drafted. But, you know, here's a guy who has tremendous instincts. You can't just rely on what the combine is going to be. Um, but it's going to be a huge concern if you're not able to produce, um, you know, some quality numbers as well. So that's going to be a, a, you know, a big question mark for me when I look at the linebacker position. Obviously, when you talk linebackers, the first and foremost is going to be Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson, 6'4", 230 pounds, the junior. Look, this guy's not getting out of the out of the top ten. Could the Giants take it? Could the Lions take him at number three? Absolutely. The Giants could always use a, another athlete there on the defensive side of the football. I actually have him penciled in going to Carolina. And and I, I think Carolina needs a guy in the middle that's going to take the place of uh, of Luke Keekley. And I think Isaiah Simmons is going to be that guy. If he's not drafted by Carolina, he's not falling past Jacksonville because Jacksonville needs a guy to take the place uh, of uh, you know the retired Telvin Smith. And, and I think Isaiah Simmons is going to be that guy. He can line up all over the field. He can be an edge rusher. He can be a guy that's going to drop back in space as a linebacker. You know, as a linebacker, he can, he, he can line up over the slot, cover tight ends, cover running backs, be a deep safety over the top. Does a little bit of everything. I mean, 28 and a half tackles for loss, 11 sacks, including eight this past season, four interceptions, three of those this past season as well, 20 pass breakups, six forced fumbles. 
this guy was all over the field. You know, I'll never forget, and I talked about it earlier in one of the other podcasts, you know, against South Carolina, he's covering Shai Smith, a slot receiver, pretty quick slot receiver, and he, he's beaten initially, shows some tremendous recovery speed, um, tracking the ball over his shoulder, able to elevate, time his jump well, and, and knock the pass away. Just tremendous, tremendous athleticism there at the linebacker position. You know, can play over the top as well. Does a really good job reading the quarterback's eyes. He's a converted safety, so he's he's the next uh, in line in terms of those linebackers, that, that new age linebacker for, for this ever-changing game. He's the guy that people are going to be looking for, and I think top five is not out of the question for a guy like that. I think he's going to put on a show and just be a tremendous, tremendous workout warrior, uh, but there's more to it than just that. Another guy who's going to really show up well, I think, is going to be Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. If you watched any of, uh, of the Sooners games, this is a guy sideline to sideline, just very, very athletic, you know, explosive speed. When, when he is allowed to just pin his ears back and, and go after the football, there are a few guys that can chase down a ball carrier like Kenneth Murray. Uh, the problem is, is, is the gap integrity. That's really the biggest concern that I have. You put him on the inside and you're telling him to, you know, the, Play play against the run, and he seemed to just he was missing gaps. You know, he he had the had his assignments, wasn't doing a really good job reading his keys, um, and he'd over pursue holes. He he was hitting the wrong hole a lot of times, and when he was allowed to really play in space, once Caleb Kelly came back and took over the middle linebacker position for OU, you allowed him to move outside and just allowed him to run freely. And that's really where I think Kenneth Murray is going to excel at the next level. Uh, you know, Kenneth Murray, when you look at him, you're talking about his, his, uh, his numbers back, back to back hundred tackle seasons had 155 in 2018. A lot of that was the 30 plus tackle performance against, uh, against army, but uh, you know, 36 and a half tackles for loss. Get after the quarterback a little bit. Um, you know, had at least four sacks in, in each of the last two seasons. Um, you know, to me, Kenneth Murray is one of those fringe first round players. You know, teams may fall in love with him because of the athleticism, but there are some question marks you know, as to where you're going to play him on the inside or outside. So you know, but I think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to have a tremendous, tremendous uh, workout. You know, one of the guys who's flying under the radar is Logan Wilson out of Wyoming, and I want to see him as uh, you know, I think he's going to move himself into day two consideration. You know, I think of Jelani Tavai, some of these other guys that. Teams weren't really expecting to see, you know, a lot of people talking about the the draft weren't expecting to see Jelani Tavai shoot into into the second round. But look at you know the production that Logan Wilson had for Wyoming, over 400 tackles. Um, you know, just fell. Let's see, you know, six tackles in, in 2016 and one tackle in 2018, shy of four straight seasons with over 100 tackles. You know, 34 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks, 10 interceptions, including four this past season, 14 pass breakups, five forced fumbles, four fumble recoveries, and a partridge in a pear tree. This is a guy looking for the for the football, you know, just a playmaker flying all over the field, 6'2", 250. What type of athlete is this guy going to be? I think he's going to be somebody, you know, you, you see the the instincts, you see him being able to drop into coverage. You saw it at the at, – at the Senior Bowl, able to drop into into space, drop into passing lanes, read the quarterback's eyes, elevate and make a play. I think he's going to be one of those athletes that's after the combine. Teams are going to be looking at him, going, "Wow, we need to get this guy on our roster." And I, I expect him to rise up draft boards um, very quickly. Another one of my my favorite linebackers is, is Malik Harrison out of Ohio State, six three two forty. You know. 
a lot of people say, eh, he may not be the, the best athlete in the bunch, but look, he just gets the job done. 75 tackles, 16 and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks in 2019. You know, a guy who I thought played well laterally, very instinctive. You know, he, he was one of those guys who knew where the football was going to be going. Um, you know, a guy who can make plays, you know, not only behind the line of scrimmage, but can drop into coverage a little bit. That's really where I think Malik Harrison is going to have to showcase his skills is when he, you know, in his drops. How stiff in those hips is he going to be? You know, can he showcase you know an ability to move laterally and and really you know backpedal? Is he going to be somebody that you can trust? You know, covering linebacker. I'm sorry, covering tight ends and, and running backs, um, or is he going to be more of a zone um, defender? And that's going to be one of those questions. You know, that's ultimately going to impact his draft stock. Um, Troy Dye, I want to see what type of athlete Troy Dye is. This is somebody who, you know, 391 tackles, 41 and a half inch, I'm sorry, 41 and a half tackles for loss, 13 sacks, five interceptions, 14 pass breakups. Another guy putting up tremendous numbers. Everyone's talking about him as one of those top end, um, linebackers. And I just, I want to see, want to see both him and, uh, I'll give you another name, uh, Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech. Another guy, you know, we're not really talking about Jordan Brooks. Uh, you know, he spells his first name J-O-R-D-Y-N. But, uh, you know, when I was looking at the NFL website, they had, you know, D-A-N. Um, so, you know, not really getting a lot of love uh, is Jordan Brooks. But 360 tackles, 32 tackles for loss, six and a half sacks in his career. You know, a guy who I think does a really good job, you know, volume tackler, a guy who shoots holes, shoots gaps, makes plays behind the line of scrimmage against the run. Not as much of a pass guy, um, you know, in terms of, of putting pressure on the quarterback, but a guy who is very instinctive, you know, and, uh, you know, diagnoses the run quickly and then makes plays, does a really good job getting off blocks. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I want to see from an athleticism standpoint where he ends up falling. Um, Francis Bernard out of Utah, 6'1", 235. I think he has to have a big combine. You know, this is a guy who at Utah this past season, 85 tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss. You know, played pretty well in space. You know, but I question whether or not he's going to be the athlete everyone is expecting him to be. Uh, one guy who I think is a tremendous athlete, uh, the numbers don't really show it, uh, you know, showcase some of the uh, – you know, the production, but Sean Bradley out of, out of Temple, 6'1", 230. I expect him to have a good combine, um, you know, in terms of the stats. That's going to be a guy that I think is going to turn heads. One guy that I feel really bad for is is uh, Marcus Bailey out of Purdue, 6'1", 240. Um, you know, he... he had played in just two games, you know, and before he went down for to a season-ending injury, um, still ended up with with over 300 tackles in his career, 28 tackles for loss, 14 and a half sacks, six interceptions, uh, you know, another six pass breakups, and and a guy who I think was ex, you know was expected to lead that Purdue defense and Purdue looking to really try to build upon their season in 2018. And when you lose the leader of your defense, you know, Jeff Brom defensively, you know, really had his work cut out for him. And uh, Mark Marcus Bailey, you know, I, I worry about about him from the standpoint of where is he going to be at health wise? Is he going to be somebody who goes undrafted? I look at a guy like Juwan Bentley, who also came out of Purdue, um, very productive, and uh, you know, I, I think Marcus Bailey can be that same same type of player there at the next level. You know, he he's injured, so I don't anticipate him to participate in any of the drills, but I think he's going to impress 
in the in the interviews. Speaking of interviews, a guy who's going to have to answer for himself is Joe Bocci, 6'2", 231 out of Michigan State. You know, a guy who made plays all over the field for the Spartans was one of, one of the defensive leaders. Back to back. 100 tackle seasons in 2017 uh, and 2018, uh, played in just eight games this season. And it was due in large part to his uh, his suspension for PED usage. So he's going to have to answer some questions there from, from the interview perspective. And, uh, you know, I, that's going to be something – you know he's going to have to also showcase his ability to to drop into coverage, and I think a lot of thing you know a lot of teams are worried that you know is he going to be stiff? You know the, the stiffness is going to be a, a huge concern I think for him. Um, staying in in uh, the Big Ten, I look at a guy like Cameron Brown out of Penn State, 6'5", 233 pounds. Not really a guy known for his production but a guy who ends up making plays all over the field for Penn State, I think he's going to put on a nice combine. But I, I think if you're looking for a guy who's going to be sneaky good at the combine and, and is going to probably put a you know uh, challenge Isaiah Simmons, uh, it's going to be Akeem Davis-Gaither out of Appalachian State. 6'2", 216 pounds, kind of an undersized linebacker. Want to see what he weighs in at. If he's going to be weighing in that 225, 230 range, I think teams are really going to start taking notice. I think he'll solidify himself as a day two pick. Um, you know, in, in really two seasons with with the Mountaineers, over uh, just under 200 tackles, uh, 24, and uh, I'm sorry, 24 tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, 15 pass breakups, tremendous length, the range. You know, he's he's like another line, uh, another safety out there, but a guy who you know tremendous lateral quickness against the run, um, a guy who can drop into coverage. Another one of those new age linebackers, and I think if he has uh, a tremendous combine performance, we're going to be looking at uh, Akeem Davis Gaither as a day two pick. Um, so those are the linebackers that I'm really interested in, in keeping an eye on. Um, you know, there's some other guys, Kamal Martin out of Minnesota, tremendous athlete. You know, when you think about Minnesota linebackers, Devondre Campbell was a guy um, that showed off some pretty good athleticism at the combine. I think Kamal Martin, 6'3", 245, played in just eight games, was battling some injuries. You know, I hope he's going to be able to be healthy enough to compete because I think he can showcase some of his athleticism. I want to see just how athletic Jordan Mack is of Virginia, 6'2", 230, a guy who had seven and a half sacks this past season, but you know, I, I think he was virtually a non-factor dropping into coverage. You know, we were two years removed from a guy you know, who was you know, 114 tackles uh, there for UVA. I want to see what type of athlete he is, though. Uh, Dante Olsen out of Montana, 6'3", 240, 397 tackles in his career. What type of athlete are we talking about here at the FCS level? Is this a guy who you know, was just playing against inferior competition, or is this somebody who can really translate to the next level? I think he'll be a day three guy. I think he's going to get himself drafted. I think he's a, a better athlete than people are going to get him credit for. Really looking forward to seeing what he does at the Combine. Jacob Phillips out of LSU. Um, you know, he and, and, uh, Patrick Queen are going to be two guys that people are going to be keeping their eye on. Every time I turned on the LSU tape, it seemed like Patrick Queen was flashing. You know, he makes a lot of flash plays. Um, I'm going to be curious to see, you know, how they run. You know, I, I think, you know, Jacob Phillips, 113 tackles led the, the, the Tigers this past season. His lateral quickness is something that I, I really see, but, um, you know, I think Queen with his ability to make plays sideline to sideline, um, he's going to be an intriguing prospect. He's not a first round pick though. Let's, uh, you know, let's get that straight. He'll probably end up being a, a day, day two guy. 
you know, but I'm thinking late second or early third. And then Shaq Quarterman out of uh, out of Miami, four year starter, started every single game uh, in his Miami career, fifty two games in all. This is a you know he was a mainstay there for Miami, six one two forty one, over three hundred and fifty tackles in his career, uh, forty six and a half tackles for loss, thirteen pass breakups. How stiff are those hips? Can he drop into coverage? This is a guy to me when I watched him play. You know, he reminded me a lot of Denzel Perryman as a downhill thumper, but you know, he makes some plays dropping into coverage as well, reading the quarterback's eyes. If he can show that he is more athletic than people are giving him credit for, then I think he's going to see his draft tro- draft stock rise. He'll probably still be end up being probably about a fifth round pick, but at the end of the day, um, you know, he's one of those guys who I think is going to make an NFL roster and, and be productive at the next level. So we transition from the linebackers to the back end of the defense, and we're going to really be talking about our corners and our safeties. And really when you're talking about the the, the cornerback position, if we look at last year's draft, we had 36 uh, corners invited to the combine. 11, 11 of them were not drafted. We had 31 total corners drafted, and 25 of those were invited uh, to the combine. So when we look at those numbers and we're scrolling through this, you know the guys that that weren't uh, invited to the combine. Kadar Hallman uh, actually got some playing time there with the Packers, uh, coming out of out of Toledo. Um, you had Tim Harris from Virginia, uh, Duke Shelley out of, out of K State. You know, and, and these guys were all uh, day three guys, but guys that, that teams really kept an eye on uh, Donnie Lewis was productive at Tulane going to, to the Browns in the seventh round. Uh, Jimmy Moreland, you know, was one of my favorite players coming out of James Madison really, you know, made an impact there for the Redskins and uh, Steven Denmark out of Valdosta state. So when you're talking corners, there are going to be some guys that are going to sneak in at the end of the draft, you know, team that teams, Really, you know, they've done some of their scouting, some of their homework, and guys that you're really going to be targeting. Uh, I think when you look at at the combine itself, and you're looking at some of the guys that did not get drafted, um, I, I think some of them some of them are obvious. You know, Derek Beatty, you know, the six two, one ninety seven, you know, pounder out of Kentucky. You know, you you worried about some of his, um, you know, his long speed. Um, you know, Mark Fields out of Clemson, you know, 5'10", 192, looked decent in some of the drills, 4'3", 740, but, you know, a guy who just, you know, he was not even a starter, you know, there at Clemson. And, and so there are concerns there. Blaze Brown out of Troy looked like a draftable prospect at, uh, for the Trojans, ran a 4'7", 540. You know, that was really a, a killer for him. Um, you know, Hamp Cheevers, just a 5'9", a buck 69 out of BC, just ran a 4.52. You know, when you're that small, that's that's going to be a concern. Uh, Elijah Holder battled injuries at Stanford, ran a 4.640 at 6'1". Um, ultimately, you know, didn't really work out for him. Ryan Pulley and, and James P, uh, Jamal Peters, two guys playing in the SEC at Arkansas and Mississippi State, both ran in the 4.6 range. Uh, Ryan Pulley, just 11 reps at, at 2.25". Um, you know, he was somebody who I think battled some injuries as well. Um, he ended up not getting drafted. You know, you had a guy like, you know, Derek, Derek Thomas ran a four, 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 40, six, three, uh, corner. And, uh, he ended up not getting drafted. And a big reason for that, I, I, I think is 
you know, there was some stiffness in some of those drills, and that really is going to be a concern, especially at the corner position. You know, could we transition him to safety? It's a possibility, but are you going to use, you know, use that to draft, you know, one of your your draft picks on on a a guy who really you're looking at more than anything else as a, a developmental guy? Maybe not. So the corners, how many corners do we have? We have a pretty big draft class. We have 35 corners that are going to be at, uh, at the combine. And obviously the number one corner on everybody's uh, board is going to be Jeffrey Okuda out of Ohio State. 6'1", 200, the junior. The ball skills are absolutely evident. 17 pass breakups in the last two seasons. You watch him. There's not much separation with with the the receivers, you know, they just struggle getting you know getting any separation off of this guy. He's so fluid with his hips, very patient. It's one of those guys, and I think you'll hear that with a lot of these top notch uh, cover corners. Is he's very patient. He stays square to his man and allows his man to ultimately you know make the make the first move. And he's so fluid with his hips. You know, he uses the sideline to his advantage as well. He'll pin that guy to the sideline, force a perfect pass to get it in there. And uh, the ball skill is absolutely evident. Uh, does a great job attacking the, the ball at the catch point. Um, you know, Okuda, I have him going to the Lions at number three. I think, you know, that's definitely a, a major possibility. So there's a lot of debate now over who the number two corner is going to be. A lot of people say that it's C.J. Henderson out of Florida. Some people say that it's Christian Fulton out of LSU. What about Trevin Diggs out of Alabama? I want to give you a name of a guy who may end up being that number two corner, and that's Cam Dantzler out of out of Mississippi State. 6'2", 185. Uh, the junior, you really want to see him, compare him to some of these other cornerbacks and just how fluid uh, of an athlete he is for a guy his size. 20 pass breakups, five uh, five interceptions, has tremendous ball skills, but it, it's the technique and it's the you know the ability to stay low the, the in his back pedal despite the fact that he's 6'2", very fluid with his hips. You know his position coach at, at Mississippi State, Terrell Buckley, former NFL star and, and T buck knows a thing or two about, about corners. And when he's saying that cam Dantzler is the best cornerback in this draft stock, you know, this draft class that at least nothing else has to make you take notice and really go to the game film and watch for yourself. Um, I, I think CJ Henderson, the big knock for him is going to be the tackling. I think he's going to have to really show out well in, in some of those, um, those interviews, why is he not much of a tackler? Uh, but you know, the ball skills absolutely evident. A guy who was who was a tremendous um cover corner, a lockdown guy out on the edge. You know, you can play him out on an island. And look, Deion Sanders didn't like to tackle, but he was one of the elite corners. And I'm not comparing CJ Henderson to, to Dion in that way. Um, but what I am saying is is that you know you don't necessarily need your lockdown corner to be a tremendous tackler. You know, 6'1", 202, the junior, I think he ends up sneaking his way into round number one. Uh, Trevon Diggs you know, started his career at, at Alabama as a wide receiver, moved to the defensive back position, uh, you know, and, and really at the corner. Tremendous athleticism for a guy his size. You know, he's continuing to learn the position, and if you look at his productivity, it just keeps getting better and better. Four interceptions, three of which were in, in 2019, 17 total pass breakups. He's one of those those uh, corners who understands the routes, understands a lot of the route concepts, and sometimes runs the route better than the wide receiver. 
And so I think he's one of those guys. I actually have him penciled in going to the Raiders in round number one. I think the athleticism and for a guy his size, I think both he and Cam Dancer are going to be guys that that Mike Mayock and John Gruden are going to be looking at because they need some cornerback help. Christian Fulton out of LSU, six foot two hundred. Another guy who is physical. And a, a guy who has pretty pretty decent hips. Um, if you watch the game against Clemson, you know he he did really open things up and had outside leverage. And T. Higgins was able to get a couple of passes uh, caught on him, um, really to the inside. But then after that, he locked down T. Higgins. Really couldn't create any separation and stayed on his on his hip, stayed on that uh, that outside hip, and uh, was able to really just provide some bra- some blanket coverage. Uh, to me, Christian Fulton is a guy who's going to be battling the likes of Jeff Gladney, uh, six foot, one eighty three out of TCU. Tremendous, tremendous athlete. I think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to turn heads at the combine with his athleticism. Two straight years with uh, double digit pass breakups, five interceptions in his career as well. Um, he, he's just he's he's an explosive athlete, and you know if you watch game film last year of him against Hakeem Butler, you know I, I have it penciled in on on some of my notes. You know Hakeem Butler running square ends, and this is a guy who was very patient, kind of waiting for him almost as Butler ate up the 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 uh, the cushion, and then put his foot in the ground and cut inside. He got right on that hip, no wasted movement. The the change of direction was was flawless, and there was nowhere for Brock Purdy to go with the football. So I, I think Jeff Gladney is somebody who you could definitely be talking about as a first-rounder as well. Very, very athletic. Um, Damon Arnett is another very physical corner. Um, I'm glad that he came back for his senior season. I think it definitely improved his draft stock. One of the more physical corners. A guy, look, if you turn on the Michigan State film, uh, you know Cody White is still going to be seeing Damon Arnett in his in his nightmares because Arnett just locked him down. White couldn't get any separation. I think Damon Arnett's going to be a day two pick, and you're going to get going to get a, a veteran corner who uh, you know can offer some upside. You know, and if you're talking about physicality there, then Troy Pride is is more of your your speedster. I think he may be the fastest of the corners in this year's draft. You know, 5'11", 194, and uh, teams just didn't throw his way. You wanted to pick on some of the other corners because Troy Pride Jr., because of his speed, um, you know, the makeup ability, receivers oftentimes looked open because there were times where he would get beaten off off the line, and the recovery speed was was tremendous with him. Um, you know, I, I think some of the route recognition at times, you know, is, is lacking. But you know, a guy you know, with uh, with speed like that, you know, he's able to uh, to make up for that quite a bit. Um, you know, a, a group of five guy to be on the lookout for is a Meek Robertson, five nine one eighty three, and this guy you want to talk about some ball skills. Fourteen interceptions, three of which were returned for touchdown. Thirty four pass breakups in his career. He's undersized. He's a guy that you're probably going to play in the slot, but a tremendous, tremendous athlete, a, a tremendous you know ball skills, and uh, you know somebody who, you know, he's. 
He's a junior. I think you know he didn't really have anything else to prove coming back to uh, to Ruston, Louisiana. Um, so I, I think he's going to be somebody to to keep an eye on. At, you know, as teams are looking for those slot corners, another slot corner who I think is going to show out pretty well is going to be Kendall Vildor out of Georgia Southern, 5'11", 190. Um, you know, a guy who I, I think is is probably not big enough to play on the outside, but you put him in the slot. I think he has a chance to excel. Nine interceptions, twenty five pass breakups in his career. Again, excellent ball ball skills. AJ Terrell out of Clemson, six one one ninety. Is he as good as as Trayvon Mullen? You know, Trayvon Mullen, if if you recall, was a day two pick of the Raiders a season ago. Um, you know, he's somebody to me was kind of up and down. Um, I, I thought he got torched. Time and time again there against LSU there. So he's got a lot of good tape where he show, showcases some good ball skills, uses his length to his advantage, and I thought there was some pretty poor tape as well, uh, getting beat left and right. So he's going to an- have to answer some of those questions. Uh, Jalen Johnson, six foot 195 out of Utah, uh, 21 pass breakups in just three seasons there with the Utes. My biggest concern for him, you put on a game film like uh, – USC going against Michael Pittman Jr. And he wasn't the only one. You know, Michael Pittman Jr. was torching everybody. It, it didn't matter if your name was, was Terrell Burgess, Julian Blackman, or Jalen Johnson. He was torching everybody in that game. Just a tremendous performance. But I, I thought Jalen Johnson got exposed. You saw him grabbing whenever he whenever he could. And you know, when corners panic, they like to to grab. And that's the big, big issue that I have with him. Dane Jackson out of Pittsburgh, six foot one ninety. He's going to be a day three pick, but uh, a guy who is just tremendously productive, um, excellent ball skills. You know, back to back seasons with uh, with double digit pass breakups, thirty nine in his career. Um, you know, I, I want to see just how athletic he is. I worry about some of the stiffness with him, um, but I think he's somebody who fourth round pick and you're going to get a guy who I think is going to end up starting uh, at the next level. Uh, maybe not year one, but give him you know year two, year three. I think Dane Jackson is going to be a starter in the league. Noah Igbenogany uh, out of Auburn, the junior, 5'11", 200. Kind of surprised that he came out. You know, he's a tremendous athlete. You know, has 18 pass breakups. You utilizes that that quickness and the speed. Um, but I, I think he still has some things to work on. I think some of the technique uh, needs to work on there as well. But you know, as a kick returner, look, you know, 27.3 yards per return. Um, actually averaged over 35 yards per return in 2019, two kickoff returns for touchdown in his career. Um, you know, tremendous athlete. Some people have him penciled in as, as a first rounder. Let's not get carried away. I think he'll be a second round pick because of his athleticism, but I think there's some other corners in here that have better technique than, than him. So, you know, I, it, it'll be interesting. I think someone's going to fall in love with the athleticism though. Darnay Holmes is another athletic guy, 5'10", 199 out of UCLA, the junior. Um, showed that he can play on the outside a little bit. I think his home ultimately, though, is going to be in the slot. Uh, Lavert Hill, you know, very handsy corner, a guy who I think gets overpowered quite a bit. I thought you know he, he really got pushed around at the senior bowl by some of the bigger wide receivers. That's going to be concerning. He's going to have to try to answer that. Uh, Harrison Hand out of Temple. I wanted to see him come back for one more year. He was a transfer from Baylor, and, and you know, against you know at Temple showed some ability to be a cover corner. Is he a safety? Is he a corner? We'll see with some of the stiffness in his hips. And then there's Bryce Hall, 
Bryce Hall played in six games in 2019, went down with the, tw- the torn ACL, probably not going to be able to do anything at the Combine, um, but 38 pass breakups, including 21 in, in 2018. When you're talking about ball skills, you know, this guy has it for days. Um, you know, in my opinion, he would have been the first corner taken in last year's draft. So, uh, you know, this year we have better corner draft stock, but it's one of those things where I, I look at and, and I scratch my head, you know, that Bryce Hill, all, all he's done is showcase his ball skills and people continue to drop him down their, their draft board. And it, it, it blow, you know, blows my mind. One name to keep an eye out for in Big 12 plays is A.J. Green out of Oklahoma State. 6'1", 190, tremendous length, 21 pass breakups, six interceptions in his career. This was a guy who, you know, teams finally figured out they didn't want to pick on him. They went after Rodarius Williams on the opposite side. Uh, pretty good length to him. You know, I, I think he does a really good job, you know, driving on the football, really good instincts. You know, I, I think he can play both man and uh, in zone coverage as well. Uh, has some pretty good skills. He's going to be somebody who's going to fly under the radar. I think a team is going to get a really good corner uh, um, out of things when they ultimately select him. Safeties. We're in the home stretch. We're down to the safeties. And so when you're talking about the safety position, we had, let's see, 29 safeties uh, at the combine. 11 of those weren't drafted. Um, so when you're talking about that, you have uh, you know 20 total safeties drafted, 18 of which were at the combine. So the safeties, you know, we are talking about safeties who were not drafted. Or I'm sorry, weren't invited to the combine. Marcus Epps out of Wyoming, you know, group of five guy who was very, you know, very productive. Um, you know, I, I thought he was, you know, pretty good athlete as well. Uh, Nick Scott was the other one out of Penn State, drafted in, in round seven. So, you know, if you're talking about safeties that weren't invited to the combine, you know, maybe a day three pick, there may be a couple of guys sprinkled in there. But I think, you know, the combine they usually do a pretty good job bringing in uh, the guys that, that teams are going to want to keep a, keep an eye out for. Um, the guys that weren't drafted, you know, Mike Bell out of Fresno State, 6'3", 210, ran a 4'8", 3'40", looked really stiff. You know, that was the big hitter. Um, you know, Lucas Dennis out of Boston College, just 5'11", 190, 4'64", looked pretty stiff. You know, DJ uh, Dakota Dixon out of Wisconsin ran a 4'8", You know, when you're 5'10", that's just not going to get it done. Um, you know, Malik Gant out of Marshall, uh, one of the more physical safeties, uh, ran a 4.63. You know, so you're seeing a trend here. Some of these safeties, the stiffness really starts showing out. Um, Mark McLaurin of Mississippi State, 4.7740. Um, you know, a lot of times it just you know didn't really pop off. Um, you know, and and really surprise you. And, and you know, Andrew Wingard ultimately did did not get drafted, but was making plays for the Jaguars left and right. Ran a 4, four five six forty, better than average athleticism, uh, 36.5-inch vertical leap. Um, ultimately, was a guy that I think teams were underselling from a from an athletic standpoint, but he's a guy who just you know, flies around to the football and makes plays, and you know he's somebody that I think is going to have a home there with Jacksonville for a while. So if we look at this year's draft class, you know, and, and – I should make mention with from the safety position, Darnell Savage, Jonathan Abram were our first rounders. Um, you know, Marquise Blair and uh, Nasir Adderley, Taylor Rapp, Juan uh, Thornhill, all taken in round number two. Will Harris, Mike Edwards uh, in round number three. And then the surprise, Cha- uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson falling all the way to round number four. Um 
all those guys making making not only making the roster, but the majority of those guys starting for their 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 team. And, and so that's something that when you're looking at the safeties, if you're being drafted in the in the, the first three rounds, you have a good chance to end up making an impact at uh, you know year one. When we look at this year's draft class, I think the first guy that comes to mind is Grant Delpit. You know, this guy is the Jim Thorpe Award winner uh, and a guy who, look, as a sophomore, he was the beast, a guy that just was playing all over the field, nine and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, five interceptions, nine pass breakups. He showed an ability to play in the box. He could drop into coverage, playing over the top. Then this past season, 18 missed tackles, you know, but really a lot of the the issues that he was running into um, primarily were the result of his, he, he just, he was not healthy. He couldn't stay healthy. And when he's at his best, you know, when he is healthy, he's going to end up making a lot of plays for teams. And so I think the 18 missed tackles, yes, that is a concern, but I, I want to see what he looks like as an athlete. Um, you know, how, how fluid of an athlete is he going to be at the combine? 6'3", 203. I, I think the junior is going to end up being the number one safety taken. Um, you know, if we're flipping from there, um, you know, you got Xavier McKinney out of Alabama, 6'1", 200. The junior, tremendous ball skills. I think he has some cover, you know, coverability. Um, can play in the box a little bit, not quite like you know to Delpit's level, but I, I think he's one of those guys. When you drop him into coverage, that's where you're really going to see things. I think he's going to be one of the guys when you're watching the drills that that uh, people are going to take notice of, and you're really going to be impressed. Antoine Winfield out of Minnesota. This is a guy who. You know, I, I don't know how, how well he's going to test. I don't know that he's going to have the speed that people are expecting out of a, out of a safety. 5'10", five, 205. Five, this is a guy who has, you know, he played well in the box. Um, you know, took tremendous angles to the football. Nine interceptions in his career, including seven this past season. Plays well over the top and, uh, you know, just diagnoses plays in a hurry. He's got the pedigree. His dad... You know the same name. You know was it was a first round pick. He's not going to be a first rounder, but I, I think when you've got a guy, when you flip on the game film and you just see a guy making plays, that's a guy that you really you know, are going to to take notice of. So, you know, I'm I'm curious to see what he looks like from an athleticism standpoint. Um, you know, that's really going to dictate ultimately where he's going to get himself drafted. Um, as I scroll through, looking at some of these other guys, you know, Rodney Clemens out of SMU, six foot two oh five. Um, tremendous ball skills as well. Four interceptions this past season, 27 total pass breakups, a guy who can be a weapon over the top um, on the back end of your defense. Ashton Davis, you know, this is a track guy, uh, 6'1", 200. Really want to see what he's going to run you know, uh, with his 40 time. Battled some injuries in, in 2019, but a guy who has you know, really good ball skills and that speed allows him to cover a lot of ground. He's going to be a second-round pick, in my opinion. Uh, there are two guys that are FCS prospects who are, who have to be talked about. Kyle Duggar out of uh, Lenore Rhine, 6'2", 220, one of the bigger safeties. How big of a, you know, how, how good of an athlete is this guy going to be? That's going to be a huge question mark for me is, is uh, you know, how fluid is this guy? You know, are there going to, is there going to be some stuff? Stiffness. What are we really talking about here? Has 10 interceptions, 
36 pass breakups, six forced fumbles, six fumble recoveries with 237 tackles in his career as well. This is a guy who filled up the stat sheet for Lenore Ryan and, and a guy who has a chance to be a, a day two pick. The other guy there is, is Jeremy Chin out of uh, Southern Illinois, 6'3", 212, and, and similar stats, 13 interceptions to his credit, 31 pass breakups, uh, six forced fumbles. And, and so you look at those those numbers, and is it just a matter of this is a guy playing over the top and poor quarterback play and, and, and quarterbacks struggling with their, their arm strength, and this is a guy who just was able to play over the top? You know, that was one of the things that people talked about with Nasir Adderley was just how quick was he? You know, is it just a, a product of poor quarterback play or is he really, you know, that good with the, with those ball skills? I think there is still something to be said, but you look at Nasir Adderley and where he ended up coming off the board, uh, you know, he was a, a late second round pick. And I think that's where these guys, you can end up seeing both of these guys go is probably late. Uh, late second round, but you want to see just how athletic they are. Um, and that's going to be something that I'm going to be tuning in to watch for sure uh, on the last last day of the combine out on the field. Uh, Brandon Jones of Texas, you know, definitely veteran. Um, you know, he, he's somebody that I think needs to have a big day if he wants to be taken in the first three rounds. Uh, Chris Miller out of Baylor. This guy was known to be a, a big hitter for Baylor. Um, just a tremendously physical safety, but you know, how athletic is he really? Uh, you know, J.R. Reed was a leader of the Georgia defense and, uh, you know, on the back end and, and Jordan Fuller was, uh, another guy who I think for, for Ohio state was, was looked at as, as a guy that could really hold things down on the back end. Those are going to be two guys. You want to see just how fluid uh, of, of an athlete they are. Um, can they play in space? Are they going to be guys that can play over the top? You know, are we talking about guys that are just going to be more box performers? Um, so those are going to be guys you're going to look at. Geno Stone out of Iowa is a guy who I think, um, you know, this past season really had a breakout year. Question whether or not he should have come out, but uh, a, a guy that I think teams are going to be keeping an eye on as well. Uh, Kayvon Wallace out of Clemson. I think he's going to be the higher drafted of the two Clemson uh um, safeties, you know, 10 pass breakups this past season, five interceptions in his career shows off pretty good cover skills. I think outside of, um, you know, Darion Kendrick and AJ Terrell, you know, Kayvon Wallace was a guy that, you know, you could really, you know, expect to line up in the slot and, and cover receivers. And I think that's going to get him drafted a lot higher than I think people might even expect. Tanner Muse out of, out of Clemson, all you saw was stiffness when you watch this guy. You know, he just he he struggles with with some stiff hips. You saw that in the ACC title game. You saw that against OU. You saw that, I'm I'm sorry, against Ohio State. You saw that against LSU. And he's a guy who's going to play downhill. Really, he's somebody that I'm looking at at six six one six two and two thirty. May run a decent forty time, but with all the stiffness, you know, is he going to you? Know, He's not really going to be a safety. Is he going to is he going to be able to transition to the linebacker position? You look at a guy like Drew Tranquil, and he ended up uh, you know converting to to linebacker, started his career as a safety. Um, you know that might be in the future for for Tanner Muse. So those are those are the defensive players that I'm really keeping an eye on. And uh, when we talk about the special teams, you know you can't forget about special teams. Um, you know last season there were. Seven players invited to the combine, four kickers, two punters, and a long snapper. We ultimately had uh, two kickers and two punters drafted. 
and uh, you know, Matt Gay going in round number number five to the Bucks. Austin Siebert, uh, I'm sorry, Austin Seibert from OU going to the Browns also in round number five. And then you had a couple of punters that really made an impact uh, for their for their franchises. Mitch Wisnowski, um just booming punts there for for the 49ers. He went in round four. Uh, and then round five, Jake Bailey from Stanford going to the Patriots. You know, really a, a kickoff machine, booting him out of the back of the end zone, but also a tremendous punter as well. There are 12 guys. Oh, I'm sorry, I left out Austin Cutting out of Air Force. You know, a seventh round long snapper. Um, you know, I think you're going to have a long snapper drafted in, in this year's draft class as well. Um, so if I get to those stats here real quick. You know, when we're talking about long snappers, we're going to get them out of the way. The unsung hero, um, you know, you're looking at Blake Ferguson from LSU, 6'3", 235. Um, he has a shot. Um, but then you look at, at Stephen Wordle out of, out of Iowa State. You know, you're talking about, uh, you know, the Manley Award finalist, Senior Bowl. Uh, one of those two guys you're going to end up seeing drafted. I think there's going to be a good chance that you end up seeing both of them drafted um, there in round number seven. When you're talking about the kickers, I think Rodrigo Blankenship of Georgia is going to be the guy that everyone is going to be talking about. Uh, made 82.5% of his field goal attempts, uh, 80 of 97 uh, overall. He's someone to keep an eye on at, at, as, as a kicker. Um, you know, I, I look at the other kickers that are being invited, Tyler Bass, JJ Molson. There'll be guys that, you know, I, I, I think will probably, um, probably going to end up being undrafted free agents when it's all said and done, you know, at the punters, you know, I, I think Sterling Hoffrichter is, is somebody who, you know, fifth, uh, let's see, 43.2 yards per, per punt, um, a guy who does a pretty good job pinning the ball in the, um, Inside the 20 yard line, Braden Mann of Texas A&M. I mean, look, you know, 51 yards per punt in 2018. Um, you know, averaged 48.9 yards per punt in his in his career. He's somebody to definitely keep an eye on. Um, I think he ends up getting drafted. Uh, has a chance of being uh, drafted in possibly even in round five. Uh, you know, Nick, uh, I believe it's Pekin uh, out of Bucknell. Um, you know, six foot two ten. Uh, the FCS punter of the year, two-time All-American. He's the stats all-decade team as well. Uh, just a, an insane, insane punter. Um, when you look at, at what this guy was able to do, um, you know, he averaged you know 44 and a half yards per punt, uh, but 72 that he killed inside the 20, um, and, and 118 uh, punts. Let's see, that uh, went 50 plus yards. So I think the biggest thing is is the number of punts inside the 20-yard line. Teams want to kill that ball inside the 20. He's going to be someone to really keep an eye on. We had a couple of juniors that were punters that ended up uh, entering the draft. Aaron Sipos and uh, and uh, Michael Turk. Um, I, I don't think either of them are going to get drafted. Tommy Townsend of Florida has an outside chance. But I think when we're talking about the special teams, I think you're going to see the, the long snappers potentially – get drafted. I think uh, the, the kid out of Bucknell uh, as a punter, um, Braden Mann, Sterling Hoffrichter, 
when you're talking about the punters. And then from the kicker kicking standpoint, I think Rodrigo Blankenship is really the one kicker I'm identifying as as a potential kicker that's going to get drafted. He'll probably be a sixth or seventh round pick. Uh, possibly sneak into the into round number five. But when you're talking about the kickers from a season ago, the pr- productivity that you saw out of Austin Seibert, and then the way that Matt Gay pu- uh, kicked the football, he and Mitch Wisnowski there at Utah, the ball just sounded different, you know, coming off of their foot. And uh, so that's really why, you know, I expected them to, to get drafted. They got drafted in round number five. I think Rodrigo is probably going to be a sixth, seventh round pick when it's all said and done. So those are our defensive and special teams players that have the combine invites. And uh, you know we've gotten through the majority of the 337 players who have been invited to the combine. Next week is the combine. It actually starts on Sunday. And then as we get through and we actually see the guys take the field, um, it'll be in prime time this year, doing things a little bit differently. And um, after the combine is over, We'll have our post-combine edition. We're going to talk about who really stepped up, who were the disappointments, who have some some work to do. And from there, the post-combine mock draft will be the next thing that I'll be working on after that. So I hope everyone has a tremendous rest of the week. Enjoy your weekends as well. And we'll do it all over again after the combine. Enjoy the combine. It's really a lot of fun to watch if you haven't gotten to watch one yet. Um, I'll be tuning in for sure. Hope you do so as well. For readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Greg Schutz. Hope you've enjoyed the content, and we'll talk again soon. Until then, take care, everyone, and I am out of here.